Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. We are doing episode 1914 today, and we are... We just went through the first week of the WFA Women's uh, Football Games, and wow, what a great week. Okay, so real quick, again, this is Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. Not only am I co-owner of the Dallas Elite, but I am also an attorney licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, but that does not make me your attorney. So a disclaimer is anybody that gets information from this radio show, our websites, our blog, digital or print material, it is all business information. It is not legal information and therefore it does not create a, an attorney-client relationship between us. If you have an issue... Um, in your area of business, please seek out an attorney in your jurisdiction with experience in the type of law you have a problem with. With that being said, oh my gosh, this was a great week. So this was the WFA first week of the season. Games happened on Saturday the 6th. So things are just cranking away. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple different topics here. I'm going to do a little bit about the WFA. And then I'm going to go into the breaking news with the AAF closure. And then I'm hoping at the end of the radio show to be able to add a discussion with Candace from the La Muerta de las Cruces women's football team. And I will share you the reasons why in a minute on that. Hold on just a second. So if you have any interest in women's football or you have been following the WFA, the Women's Football Alliance, we're sitting at about, I think we're at 67, 68 teams that actually started, officially started the season. We were at 70 teams. A couple teams had to bow because they just weren't getting the numbers that they um, thought they would be able to get. So we're sitting at about 67-ish. The Women's Football Alliance can be can be connected by WFAProFootball.com. That's WFAProFootball.com is the official website. The best place to go um, on the website, I'm just going to go through a couple different things. Um, you can watch games live here on the top. What I like, my favorite section of it is teams. You can go down to the WFA teams by division or by state. So if you are new to women's football, and you're looking to become a fan of women's football, go down, click on the state you're in, and find some teams that are in your state. Most teams have one, two, three teams. Some of them have as many as six. So you should be able to find a WFA women's football team in your area. If not, there's probably one coming soon. So I'm going to go down and just real quick... Check the scores. I want this to be real fast because I know there's other news outlets that just run down the scores for you. Um, so they are going to be taking care of that mostly this season, I would I would think. So I'm going to go through that with you. Um, and then we're going to get on to um, the AAF and the closure with the AAF. So that's pretty up-and-coming news. It just happened like two, two three days ago it was announced. Um, so there's some big things, and it also has an impact on WFA, and it has um, some good informational stuff for the W for the women's football in general. Okay, so 
Let's go through week one real quick. Boston went to Tampa Bay and won handily 61 to 7. Uh, the Richmond Black Widows went to Baltimore 61 to 22. Baltimore won. Uh, let's see. Pittsburgh Passion hosted the Cleveland Fusion and beat them 26 to zip. Indy Crash, that was a um, forfeit. They ended up not making their season um, right at the very last minute. So Toledo Rain, uh, that gets counted as a 2-0 to zero for the Toledo Rain. Grand Rapids Tidal Waves went to Capital City Savage, and Savage beat them 18-8. to eight, So that was a nice, tight game. The Music City Misfits in Tennessee, hosted the Cincinnati Sizzle and beat them 46 to zero. The Derby City Dynamite beat the Knoxville Lightning 70 to zero. The South Carolina Smash hosted the Daytona Wave Runners and beat them 14 to six, very close game. The St. Louis Slam traveled to Arkansas and beat them 35 to zip. Close game is Wisconsin Dragons went to Columbus Vanguards and it was 29 to 26. Acadiana Zydeco went to Houston Power and beat them 6 to 0. So not a lot of scoring in that game either. Um, let's see, the Tulsa Threat went to Iowa Phoenix and lost 6-13. Arlington Impact traveled to the Kamal, I'm not sure how to say it, Kamal County Camo, and beat them 32 to zip. That is the Dallas Elite's first um, home opener this Saturday, because we had a bye week last week. And then we had the Houston Energy beat the Austin Outlaws at the Austin, Austin Outlaws, 50 to zip. Now, Portland Fighting Shockwave beat Tacoma 41 to 13. The South Oregon Lady Gades beat the Seattle Spartans at Seattle Spartans 52 to zip. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, another close game, another low scoring game is Oregon Hawks 14, Utah Blitz 6 at Oregon Hawks. The Mile High Blaze handily took care of the Rocky Mountain Thundercats. Las Cruces, 48, to the Rio Grande Heat, zero. So Las Cruces won that one very, very handily. And we'll be talking to Las Cruces here in, in a while. The Nevada Storm, 68, Eastern Sierra Mustangs, two. So that was a very, very uh, long game, I'm sure. Another close game was Ventura Wolfpack went to the Phoenix and beat them. The Phoenix scored eight, the Wolfpack 14. So that would have been a good game. Now here's another one. Uh, Maine Mayhem, six. New York knockouts seven. Oh man, uh, I'm I'm sure that was very uh, a very frustrating, very exciting game for those two teams. 
Another close one, the Minnesota Vixen went to Kansas City. Kansas City lost 17 to 13. So the Vixen just edged him out. Um, Mississippi Royalty, 48, went to the uh, Tennessee Diamondbacks, and Mississippi beat them 48 to zip. Uh, Sin City Trojans hosted the Inland Empire Ravens and beat them 34 to zip. Uh, Detroit Dark Angels beat the Columbus Comets 20 to 6. And then the Orlando Anarchy beat the Jacksonville Dixie Blues 33 to zip. So that's kind of a rundown of the games um, by points, uh, but that has minimal to do with what happened at the games. I'm going to see here um, some of the teams, uh, just so you guys don't know, uh, just uh, sorry, in case you guys don't know, the WFA YouTube page, YouTube site has now been monetized because we've had so many viewers. And so um, you can go watch some football games. There's three up here. Um, for April 6th, you can watch the Minnesota Vixen at the Kansas City Titans. You can watch the Boston Renegade at Tampa Bay. And you can watch uh, the Southern Oregon Lady Gates at Seattle Spartans. All there through the WFA uh, Watch Live Games page. Okay. With that being said, um, everything I've... I have not gotten any... Um, communication about any issues for the April 6th games. Um, people are willing to, people are more than happy or more than, I'm not even sure what words I'm looking for. If you want to contact me about things that happened in the WFA, um, please feel free to reach out um, either to Lisa King, of course, or um, you can send it through Mike Ellington or Lynn Ellington. Um, directors of team development if there are some issues that you're having or things that need to be discussed uh, with teams or players. Real quick, I want to do a shout out for the WFA partners this year. Um, team Rebel has been a longstanding uh, sponsor for the WFA. Um, they are our official uniform partner and therefore teams in the WFA um, Division One. if you are the champion, um, you get 50 free uniforms from Team Rebel um, as one of your um, prizes, uh, prizes of value. Um, women's football uniform, um, minimum at a, at a wholesale pricing, we're talking about $5,500. Tag sports gear. Um, offers the WFA 35% off um, their catalog prices. Anything that they sell, um, make sure that you use the uh, WFA website to get in there. They do shoulder pads. Uh, our helmet sponsor, our helmet partner is Zenith. And I will tell you, the Dallas Elite have had a wonderful um, time, wonderful experience with the Zenith helmets. Um, all the girls are giving rave reviews about how the they love the helmets. Sports decals. Anytime the WFA, um, if you go through the WFA website through and get your sports decals, the WFA discount is 15% and you use a promo code to do that. 
Now there's another one. It's QB54. That's tailgating and football um, stuff. So chairs or or any of those kind of things. Um, sorry, my, my computer's going to ding here because I have my some of my ads going out today. So it's going to tell me that my ads are on track. Um, so real quick, if, if you guys don't know, the WFA championship, I'm going to start talking about it now because it's important. Championship's going to be in Golden, Colorado at the College of the Mines. The Mile High Blaze owner win. Um, they are hosting it, but Wynn is kind of the contact, the go-to person for um, the championship. I'm going to try and have her on next week so we can kind of um, start getting some news out there because I want this blasted out there everywhere. I want to have record number of people at that championship because um, if you guys start planning now and budgeting now, you can get to that game. I checked uh, just yesterday and tickets from... Dallas to Denver round trip were 150. So there's a lot of the teams throughout the U.S. that if they budget and they take advantage of some of these discounted flights, um, that they could really um, save up and have a very good fun weekend. I can't wait to go back to Denver. Um, one of our daughters uh, lives just north in in uh, I forget where she lives. Hold on. Um, she goes to school at Colorado State, and that is in, I keep wanting to say Grand Junction because that's where she lived before, but just north of Denver. Um, we used to live in Denver, um, in Commerce City, right uh, probably 10 minutes from the airport. So I love Denver. I can't wait to go back. Um, we try to get there um, quite often. And uh, so I'm going to, I'm setting up to go from maybe Thursday to Monday um, and really take in um, everything. Um, there are a ton of things to do in Dallas, or I mean Denver, so I know um, that Wynn is going to get that set up really well and make it a fun-filled weekend for women's football and women's football alliance fans. So I'm excited about that. With that being said, doo -doo 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 -doo, I want to go over here real quick and talk about, of course now my computer's not working, the AAF. Okay, so this is serious news. Um, and I feel that the AAF is a great example or a great sample of the problems and issues with semi-pro football. And I think that it is a great example of what the women's football should not and cannot do. So this is the best article that I found. Yep. Is by Ben Kercheval. It was printed about yes it was printed yesterday. It's called AAF shutdown fallout from players to coaches to vendors. Here's who was affected and how. Okay? So he does a really good breakdown of what happened and how it's going to impact people. Um, so last week, there was a sudden decision by the AAF, the control owner, Tom Dundon, to suspend all operations indefinitely. 
and people, a lot of people were caught off guard and surprised. Um, they, you know, everything was functioning well, and the next day, the doors closed. And the reason, let me share with you, the shutdown left a lot of people without jobs. Dundon lost, just since he came on as control owner, Dundon lost $70 million of his own money. And he may not be done yet because there may be uh, final contracts that he has to finish up. There may be some people that come after him for some outstanding debts. Like um, there's some issues with players' uh, stories talking about they were handed a, tick, uh, a bill for $2,500 for their hotel stay. And they were under the impression or their contract stated that they would uh, have these hotel bills or their housing bills paid for by the league. And so some some people uh, had to put it on their credit cards. Some people didn't have enough money to um, pay to get home. You know, once once their job was done, they realized that, oh, gosh, my last paycheck was my last. And they may have spent it all. It's kind of like somebody that uh, lays somebody off on a Monday. If they got paid on Friday, they didn't know on Monday, so now they're broke, right? So it's always nice to have that a little bit of heads up that, um, oh, by the way, things are going a little bad. But um, no heads up, no acknowledgement. So there's a lot of coaches and support staff that are out of jobs right now, especially players. This was kind of their, their Hail Mary last possible chance or the first opportunity to be seen um, as a serious player. Um, some of these kids are, you know, went D3 out of high school. They, they um, didn't go D1 and so weren't really looked at for NFL careers. Um, only a few D2s get looked at, really. Very few D3s. But um, these are people that were trying to see um, if they had, if they could get drafted or if they could get pulled up by the NFL. Um, players received a weekly game check of $7,000 um, last week and then no checks this week. Okay. So, um, you know, $7,000 to some people, you know, is, is a good amount of money. But if you didn't know it, you may have uh, put a down payment on a car last week. You may have put a down payment on a house because you thought you were going to stay in the location where that football team was or whatever. A lot of people made some serious decisions, uh, life decisions based on becoming part of this AAF. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the coming um, weeks about this. Now, what I want to share with you and where I feel that it pertains to the WFA or women's football in general is um, there is a radio show. If you click on this article, and I love this little uh, radio blurb, uh, but if you click on the, this article, AAF shutdown fallout colon from players to coaches to vendors, comma, here's who was affected and how. Canell and Ball talk about this on CBS Sports uh, about the significance and wh what impact this has. And the reason I say that is they're talking about the fact that in order for this thing to have been successful, $70 million that uh, Dundun lost um, is, is a drop in the bucket, okay, for all the stuff that has to happen. 
and they talk about um, the significant things that needed to happen or should happen um, to make this a success that didn't happen. Um, and there's so much talk always in the women's football arena that, um, you know, if we just get a big, if we just get a big television sponsor, we just get a really big um, following through radio or television or whatever, then we'll be a huge success. We'll all make tons of money. And it's just not right. And I've talked about it before, but I think this is a great example of what I've tried to share in the past. You know, a lot of people think that it's because I just don't agree with certain people or whatever. Um, and that's not the case. Um, I think that there are a lot of people in women's football trying to do really, really good things. I think there are people in women's football that are trying to do bad things. Um, I think some will be successful and some will not. But we just need to stand our ground and take each step. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And I don't believe, I don't feel that women's football is at a point to try and take it mainstream. Now, we are going to need a lot more money than what anybody currently in women's football has. Okay, make sure you heard me say that right. We are going to need a lot more money than anyone in current women's football has. So, you know, the situation, there's there's several situations here. So in the WFA, a Division I team pays $2,000 to um, be a member of the WFA. And that gives them certain things, which includes hosted, stat, hosted statistics, um, game film, transfer back and forth, whatever. Um, it also gives them a couple other things, game balls, um, a schedule, and then the option or the opportunity to vie for the championship winning prizes. Um, that is just a drop in the bucket of the expenses it takes for a women's football team to financially be successful. Now, what goes into women's football success is not only the financial part. The financial part is just a little component of women's football success. So I know that other leagues, I don't think the IWFL is, is having a um, season this year. I have not heard anything. The USWFL is having a season and the WFNC um, is participating in a season. The USWFL, I think, has eight teams, and the WFNC has 14 teams or 15 teams, 16 teams, something like that. But um, any kind of sponsorship that will even be more than a drop in the bucket would have to be in the millions millions of dollars in sponsorships would need to be had to be able to pay or take care of the expenses for 12, 16 teams. So I know that there's talk about, you know, people are mad that they have to pay a league fee in the WFA but I get to keep all of my ticket sales. I get to keep all my merchandise sales. 
Um, I get to travel how I want and I get to buy the uniforms that I want. Um, so there's some trade-offs there. Now, I'm not familiar with all the details of the WFNC and I don't know the details of the USWFL. I don't know what their structure is. I know that out in public, um, the WFNC has no um, league fee for the teams. I don't know what the USWFL league fees are for the teams. Um, I know that there's not been much say in the WF, sorry, in the USWFL, there has not been a lot to talk about as far as sponsorships or large sponsorships. They haven't put anything out there in public about sponsorship. I know that the WFNC shows by their reports, by their news, that they've gotten $60,000 from somebody, from somewhere, an investor. I'm sure that'll come out in their um, tax stuff because the nonprofit has to share that, um, you know, because it's public record. But the so the 60000 that went to the teams, and I guess it was divided up into 4000 I don't know the details of it. Um, four thousand dollars to each team is a drop in the bucket, especially when you think about the fact that a lot of the teams have increased their travel by being a part of the league by I don't know five hundred percent. So if my travel fund, if I paid for travel last year of twenty thousand dollars, then I'm going to have to come up with I don't know eighty thousand in travel this time. Um, it's hard to get 50 players or 45 players all around the country um, six times, eight times, however many times, right? So it's it's expensive. But, so I thought it was a great example on the Kanan and, and Bell show on CBS Sports that they talked about the fact that even 200 million with the size of the AAF um, operations that 200 million would not be enough and that Dundon quickly saw that he was bleeding money 70 million plus 70 million as of as of the date of that that writing but 70 million plus in debts in in waste of money now I don't know um, you know depending on the business structure of the U.S. WFL and the WFNC. Um, I don't know how much money that takes to fund that. Um, the business model in the WFA, you pay your membership fee and you are responsible for going out and getting your own sponsorships and your own, and your own players and your own equipment and practice fields. Um, Along with those responsibilities comes your autonomy. Become, it gives you the authority to do. Okay, so you have the ability to do that. So if you want to practice at a park that's free or you want to go to an indoor facility, that's all on you. That's up to you. And that should be um, calculated or determined based on your team budget. Your team budget is based on Player fees, sponsorship fees, how much the owners are willing to put in of their own money. Um, all of that collectively goes into that. So 
it's very important for people. I, I think that the AAF is a great example for women's football and what I've been saying that WFA or women's football in general is not ready for major television deals. You can't be ready if most of the teams have less than 200 people in the stands. It's not time. So the WFA is going to continue to build and grow and hopefully we'll do it in the right way and eventually create this umbrella of success for these teams. Now people, let's let's just sit back and and think about this. It takes a lot of work to be very very successful. If you think that you're going to be able to put out one post about your coaches and one post about all your players and one post about one game and one post about the next game and one post about this fundraiser, then you are doing yourself a disservice because the people that see those posts, they're only seeing it when they pull up your Facebook. If they're at work for the next eight hours and you posted it right now, 90% of the people that you think are seeing it are not because they don't scroll back seven pages to see what was on Facebook eight hours ago. So being successful in women's football is going to take a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work and dedication and bodies. And the issue with women's football is most of it's volunteers, so you don't have a lot of bodies. If you have volunteers and you don't have a lot of bodies, guess what? Most of that work falls on the ownership and the management staff, the coaches and the players. Right? But if the players aren't willing to post things out or share things even, then that's that many less people that you are connecting with and getting to know. I hope that this has been a really, really good um, discussion or conversation because I think the AAF, suspending football operations, that the controlling owner shares that he lost at least 70 million of his own money. You know, whether it's the USWFL or the WFNC or the WFA, where, you know, put your $70 million in, your $200 million, whatever it is, you find a person that's willing to give $200 million and hopefully it not be a waste and then uh, we'll be working towards um, bigger and better things. But until then, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And um, the WFA model has been working for 10 years. More and more teams every year are coming to the WFA and being successful. Now, the WFA has implemented a couple things. Um, like I said, my husband and I are part of the directors or kind of co-directors of team development. So what we do is we sit down with these teams, mostly Tier 3 and some Team 2, or sorry, mostly Division Three, in some Division Two, if they want it. But we are trying to, I guess, get them ready faster, teach them the ways and teach them the things that make a women's football team successful faster so that they don't have this five or 10 year waiting game to be successful. Um, there are several other things that are going on in the WFA. Um, I know Wynn is uh, from the Mile High Blaze is heading up a PAC, which is the Players uh, Committee. 
um, which is more of a um, voicing of opinions, issues, suggestions. Um, and then she then takes those to the board to see if the board wants to implement them. Now it's not a, a demands and this is how it's gonna be. Um, it's more of a suggestion box. I, I say, uh, Wynn may have another opinion of it and um, I'm hoping to have her on here in the next couple weeks to talk about that. But the pack is to help give the players a voice in what they want to do. Um, and so I think, I think it's a really good opportunity. Now the WFA, you know, we're also putting out a lot of resources uh, out there for new and old owners. Um, just because you're an old owner doesn't mean you're a successful owner. Just because your team's been around a long time doesn't mean it's been profitable every year, right? The goal is to be making money if you're in a business. A lot of people tell me that, well, we're a nonprofit. Well, nonprofit doesn't mean you don't want to make money. For those people that tell me that their nonprofit does not want to make money, I, I kind of shudder at the fact that they don't know what a nonprofit is. A nonprofit means that the profits are not going to be shared with other for-profit people or organizations. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're not trying to make a profit and you're trying to make zero dollars every year. Because then most of the teams in women's football would be a nonprofit, right? Because a lot of teams aren't making money every year. So, with that being said, the W or the AAF is a great example for women's football and what not to do and what is not working. Now, I can't, I'm not saying that it can't work. I'm saying that this model of shooting out there setting up contracts, setting up all this stuff, um, promoting that you're going to be on television, promoting all this stuff, um, does not necessarily make for a winning, successful organization. And the AAF has proven that losing 70 million plus can happen within the first season. And the, the league cannot, the league is not going on. The league is not finishing out their first season. Now, I know it's traumatic and it's detrimental to that men's semi-pro uh, industry, but I think it is a great, great example and a testament to the fact that some people think that if we just put a bunch of money in it, not even a bunch, if we just put a mediocre amount of money into it, and have a television deal that we're going to be this huge success. And the AAF has proven that that is not correct. It's not about that. So I think I've gone on long enough about the AAF. Um, I'm hoping to, I'm going to, actually you guys won't notice it, but I'm going to pause and I'm going to reach out to um, Candace, who is the co-owner with her husband, Billy, of the La, La Muerte de Las Cruces, um, the team in Las Cruces, New Mexico, D3 team, that had 2,200 people in the stands this weekend. Game one, um, opening season, open, their season opener, 2,200 people in the stands. So I am going to reach out to her, and hopefully right after I'm done talking, um, you will, 
we will cut to or splice in um, my conversation with Candace about what happened this weekend and how we can share that information with other women's football teams and hopefully get them to be able to do something similar. I'll be right back with you. Talk to you in a minute. So I was able to get a hold of Candace Avalos of the La Muerta de Las Cruces, the Las Cruces team in the WFA. Um, recently, this past week, we were told, or a story was shared that La Muerta had a ton of people at their first season opener for 2019. Hi, Candace. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lynn. Thank you. How are you? Well, it sounds like you're doing better than I am. <laughs> well, today's not Monday, so that's pretty good. Right, right. So, um, so the story came out that um, your team had over 2,200 fans in the stands, and so I thought that would be a good um, story to share with other WFA teams um, to see if it's something that they might be able to do. So, share. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, absolutely be happy to share. So, um, real quick, how many how many people did you typically have at a uh, game last year? Last year, I would say between seven hundred to maybe nine hundred. Um, our team does really well with our um, mandatory season passes. Every player on our team must sell them, um, and we're kind of a buy or sell organization. I don't matter how you bring the money, you just got to bring the money. So most of them will step up and sell all of the season passes required of them. And that, um, we give a discounted rate for all home games. Uh, you get a lanyard with the player's picture on it. Um, because, like my mom, for example, want a picture of me on it, not necessarily someone else that's in the team. We've worked with the National Guard, who's at times sponsored lanyards. And so it's kind of like a memento or a keepsake. And, um, a lot of our fans look forward to them and they collect them. It's almost like having your very own personalized training, uh, training card on okay. a lantern. And um, it has, you know, gives you the ability to get it to all of our regular season games. Well, that is a great idea. Uh, so yeah. share with us. So you guys went, you over doubled your number of people at this first game. Now, did you increase the number of tickets the players needed to buy or sell? Or how did that happen? No, so um, this is our biggest crowd ever. We're super excited about that. Um, we're always looking for new ways to get fans to stand. Um, we reached out to a local youth organization that is a whole lot of kids um, and invited them to come out for a half-time performance. Um, we let the kiddos in for free, but, you know, like with my family, my, my youngest is doing something, there's about 10 people more to watch, and so that's kind of the angle we took with it. If, if you bring the kids in, the parents, the grandparents, the godparents, the aunts and uncles will all come to watch. And they were super excited to be out there, especially because it's women's football. Um, they happened to be young women that, that we had out there, and so it was kind of like a little women's retirement thing. It was really neat for them all to see us out there, because we also had like a warm-up practice while they were practicing um, the night before the game, and so we got to be free with them. And a lot of them had never thought, wow, I can grow up to be a football player. But they absolutely feel that way now. That's awesome. The, so you guys, this is your, what season is this for you? Our third season. So um, our junior year, we're, <laughs> and we're loving it. It's, 
the first year was kind of a long process from start to finish as we originally started in the SSFL, which is the Pacific Sugar and Spice League. And it came apparent very quickly that that was going nowhere. And so we just kept practicing. We didn't know where we were playing. Um, and then my husband found the WFA and we were just basically shocked and amazed that there was such a huge organization out there for women's football that had spent, you know, decades. And we knew we found our home and we wanted to put a product on the field that, that kept up with the centers of the WFA. And so we worked really hard to just make sure we're on top of stuff and that we're putting something out there that our community is proud of and that we're proud of as women to represent. Well, it's obvious that you guys have a passion for women's football. What? How did you guys even discover or find out that women's football existed? Well, it's going to go back a whole lot of years. So my husband, um, some of the best life, life lessons he's ever learned were at football practice in the mid-80s in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Um, and he's always lived his life by some of the principles taught in that sport. Um, We've been married, and when I met him, I knew I was either going to figure football out or I was going to be a football widow. So, well, I'm sure you can guess what I, I went with. <laughs> um, we had three sons and a daughter, and football was always a part of our life. Um, we worked with the NFL with their JTT programs and their HSTT programs and brought those here to our community because our community, even though we're real close to Texas, um, is huge on football. Football is our thing in Las Cruces. Um, we're titled Town USA is what we're called because for many, many years, all the uh, 5A state titles came through New Mexico um, and through Las Cruces. So that was something that this community has had the built-in support in the football. Um, once our oldest son went to college and played there, um, our youngest son at that point was 10 years younger than him. And when he was five, he wanted to play football, and there was nothing here for youth uh, football tackle or tackle football. So we started a team, um, and we played in El Paso, which is about an hour away in Texas. Um, and it was in five years we had over 150 teams playing, and I ran this organization for well over 10 years with thousands of kids playing football um, every summer with us. So it was just kind of something that we've done before. We started a men's team. It's just, I think, in Las Cruces, it's either Avalos using football, and that's just kind of where that went. And a couple years ago, I'd say three years ago, closer to four years ago, Billy just said, you know, there's this sugar and spice football league I've heard of. I want to check it out. Let's see if it's something we can do. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I could coach or I could be the team mom or I'll do something like that. Um, and five minutes before the first ever tryout, I borrowed my son's plates without telling anyone and I tried out and I made it. And I thought, what do I have to lose? And I realized that I had quickly found a home in, I'm a competitive person and I love sports. But football was off that one sport that wasn't available for, for women in our area. And we just kind of kicked that door in and said, not here and, and not ever again. And so we've been doing percent. That's awesome. That's a great story. The um, So, I mean, obviously now you guys, you know, have your feet wet in women's football. How do you feel? Yeah. What do you feel are the differences in women's football compared to, say, the, the men's semi-pro and the youth? Well, the, the biggest difference I have come across is that as the tell is over time, women think differently than men. And it's just something that I've had to help my husband ease in through. Um, when he's coached throughout the years, we've had girls here and there. But having a team of 
very smart alpha females and <laughs> kind of taught him that women definitely see things differently than men do. And I think we've been very blessed to have some athletes um, that are in it for the team and not in it just for themselves. And there's not one person on this team that feels like this is about them or it should be. And, um, and so I think for us that was the biggest difference between the men's team and the women's team. The men were always out there looking to relive their glory days because they were something special. At some point, I think they were still chasing that dream. Yeah. The I, women just want to prove that they can do it. So that's been amazing. Yes. The um, So last year, how many girls did you have on the team? Oh, we had more last year than I think any other year. Um, our first year, we had like in the 20s. Last year, we had probably closer to 35, 40. Um, this year we're sitting right around 33. We've had um, a lot of our vets. Um, I think we've had four or five um, vets that have had knee injuries. And so this year we have a lot of people that are just kind of sitting out that year to get filled up and, and get back on that field. So we're down a few, but we have a strapping team and some new blood who just, they're hungry to prove that they belong and, and they want to keep this thing going. And so we're very blessed by the women in this area um, that have chosen to play with us. So, I mean, I, I talk a lot about the fact that I feel like women's football is like having 10 different businesses. You have the merchandise and you have the ticket sales and you have the, the tryouts and the community involvement. If you had one or two tips for another women's football team, what would you say is, is the thing that you found to help you be more successful? I think... Um approach it as a team effort. Um, I'm, I'm kind of the person that will take it all on and do it myself, but I've realized that if I ask for help, there's people out there, network with your community, get involved, bring them in. Not only is that putting your name out there and showing your community that you're not just looking for something, you're willing to give back. Um, that's important to us. We're working right now with the Down Syndrome Families of Las Cruces. They're another nonprofit that is running the concession to help raise money for their needs. And so we bring them out, we make sure that, you know, they have a way to um, maybe earn some money for their group. And it helps us as well, because that's one last thing we have to worry about. Um, merchandise sales, we try and stay local because, you know, we're, we want to pump back into our own community. Um, I would say, um, be consistent, be honest, be, don't just ask, be willing to work um, in partnership. I think that's the biggest thing. I have four kids, like I said earlier. And we were forever selling something, so I always felt like I had my hand out. And I just don't ever want anyone to feel like we expect something from our community other than if you like what you see, you're not again. And so just had to be real consistent with with that. That's that's excellent advice. So you guys, tell me who who's your next opponent, and they're coming to you, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to play our second game of the season. We're going to have. Um, First ever meeting with the Phoenix Panthers. We're really looking forward to that. Um, we are hosting Michael Bernie this week, so that's exciting because we love Bernie and Bernie's about Ohana, and he's excited to be here. After that, we hit the road and we're going to go up and play the D2 Mile High Blazer. We're, we're looking forward to that. We feel like um, we're a strong team, and, and that game is really going to teach us a lot because they're an established organization, and it's an organization that we look to model ourselves after, which does a really good job up there. And we just want to see where we stand. Um, after that, we'll play our rivals, the Rocky Mountain Thundercats. Um, and that's 
our team that we look forward to playing every year. Um, we're hoping to get our first win against them. Um, and just kind of test ourselves. We, we feel like we have what it takes. We have great coaches. We have a great support system with the ladies. And we just feel like this could be our year to kick that door in and, and make a run to Colorado. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and being part of the show and being willing to offer up some advice for other teams to um, maybe have some ideas or some strategies to be more successful this season. And I wish you all the luck in the uh, 2019 season. And I'm sure I will see you at the championship again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, if you can let your team know that anyone has questions or wants to message me directly, I'm happy to talk with them. There's nothing um, that I wouldn't want more than to share information about ideas because that just helps us out as well. Correct. Thank you so much. That's absolut